everyone, and welcome to the CMAX podcast. I'm Brenda Lee, Marketing Communications Specialist, and I'm here today with Clarissa McCallum, Marketing Coordinator. And today, we're very honored to have a special guest with us today, our CEO, Paul Larmer. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the podcast once again. Thanks, Brenda. Thank you, Clarissa. So after 40 years in AI and a storied career at CMAX, you will certainly be written into not just the CMEX history books, but into agricultural's history. You've seen a lot and you've done a lot. And when you look back and you think about your career, what's the biggest business change that you've seen? Well, first of all, thank you for for the comments. Um, you know, I think it, it's it's sort of vast. I mean, if I look back over that kind of time period, but you know, the one thing that really stands out to me because of the far-reaching effects um, of change, I think, is is the advent of genomics. Um, you know, I think it really changed the trajectory of our business, of our industry in a number of ways. Um, you know, and I think of traditionally, you know, building layoff barns for bulls that were in waiting for proof, um, group housing barns, you know, low cost ways of housing bulls until they got a proof. And today, those barns are a thing of the past. I mean, now you want every pen to have access to a collection floor because, you know, you're not waiting for a proof. You're marketing bulls from the moment they produce semen, you know, through to the end of their career. Um, and I think that in combination, um, you know, with the onset and and um, technology of sex semen, it it has really totally changed our product mix and therefore changed our business model. You know, to, it's we we all had business models that were established on, you know, sales um, offsetting fixed costs related to conventional dairy semen and one lab and one process and. You know, today it's it's a matter of product mix of sexed and conventional dairy and beef, and that's ever evolving and ever changing. So, you know, that that um, sort of status of complacency, if you will, in terms of this is our production model, it's just constant change now. So adapting to that, making change, making change in our housing systems, in our production schedules, um, you know, most of us now are on a, a shift um work program in our barns and in our labs you know we have labs running 24 7 now whereas you know in the past that certainly wasn't the case um you know and i think also with the whole genomic side we've made so much faster genetic progress in our industry um you know two weeks ago i was in italy i was fortunate to be in italy for the, you know for the show in italy and and did some farm visits and I watched this this group of of first lactation animals walk through to the to the milking parlor and there wasn't a bad udder in the whole group of you know two or three hundred first lactation animals and you know I think when I look at that and I think of the progress that we've made genetically both from a production perspective but also from a confirmation perspective um, you know I think genomics has been a really key driver and accelerator uh, if you will, in our in our industry. And but it meant, you know, change for us in terms of our genetic programs. It kind of turned our genetic programs upside down to the point where we're working with females as well as, you know, buying males that that had a significant effect on so many breeders um, that, uh, you know, that in the past would have uh, been suppliers and, and they still are. I mean, for us, it's still a large part of our genetic program is working with those those breeders. But um, 
you know, it changed that aspect of the industry as well. And and I think the other piece that genomics really changed was we were able to bring more value and more genetic uh, progress to so many more commercial breeders, you know, that they can now use, um, you know, genomic testing as a baseline and then a, and then in their genetic strategy. So it's not just the genomic side from a bull perspective, but our ability to do genomic testing and and set genetic strategies for breeders. And, it, you know, we no longer, I think, have that definition of elite breeders, commercial breeders. I mean, today, I think we're so much more on one page. Um, and I think genomics has been a driver in that as well. So when I think back, if, if you know, if you have to pinpoint one thing, I think genomics and, and then all of the branches, if you will, of what that has done to both our production models, our genetic models, um, as well as our service offering and value offering to our clients, um, by far, I think it's probably had the biggest effect, you know, probably in combination somewhat with sex semen, but I think genomics really has been the big driver of change. And certainly your role as CEO is helping to navigate those changes in the business landscape and globally. So as the CEO, what was that like looking through all those changes? <laughs> well, it, it um, you know, as I said, I think it, it really made us step back and refocus. We had to change so much, so much of our business, as I said, about production models, genetic models, and, and it changed our cost model. Um, you know, our product development programs now are <laughs> multiple times a cost of what they were in the past um, for various reasons, but it also had a significant change on our strategy. Um, you know, and I think back to, you know, when we relied on proven bulls and you relied on the next proof round to whether that was going to generate success, if you will, for the organization, or, oh gosh, we got to wait for four more months and see, you know, where this bull goes. You know, now that's, it's it's taken for granted almost in terms of a proof round because we're getting, you know, genomic evaluations every week. Um, you know, so I think, I think really when I think about it in terms of how that's changed and what it did for, for my role, it, um, you know, it, it did change the business side, the economic side of our business, and we had to change along with that or or risk the, the fallout. And, um, you know, so I, I look at that and, um, you know, I I used to know the pedigrees of most of our bulls and could go out and talk about that. And today I'd need a handbook, I think, if I were to uh, go and try and do that. So it certainly changed a number of those things for me also. Yeah, and and quite a change in the industry, and and I think everybody that works at CMEX and within AI has had to really reshift, you know, their thoughts about bulls and and proof rounds are not, um, you know, what they used to be, where you kind of had to shut down and print out a whole lot of paper. We yeah. went through a lot of paper. <laughs> Ship catalogs all around Ship the world. Catalogs everywhere, you know. So it's really changed what the whole company does, and as the role of CEO, it's evolved. So how has Paul Larmer evolved with the role? Well, I think, um, you know, definitely if I look back to and knowing, you know, who I am as an individual, it, um, you know, I think it's hardened me a little bit from a business perspective, um, needing to make decisions, needing to make them faster, being more focused on decisions and being more outcome-based um, and economic-based. But, you know, I always had 
the vision, the big picture, um, you know, side of things from, you know, from what I loved, from what I thought my strengths were, um, you know, but I think the CEO side has had to harden me a little bit from those decisions and tough decisions at times uh, and necessary to make. Um, but what it hasn't changed, or I hope it hasn't changed, um, you know, is the people focus side of, you know, my personality and my role that, you know, you have to bring people along with you um, when you make those decisions. And, um, you know, if you don't do that, you get too far out ahead of your team or your, you know, your, your, your group at work. I mean, sometimes you can be seen as the enemy. So um, when you're too far ahead. So, you know, I, I think, you know, for sure that piece in combination with more rapid decisions, more um, economic decisions versus, you know, well, let's hope we get a great bowl the next proof round, so to speak. Um, you know, it's, it's changed me, um, you know, and probably in a positive way uh, mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, but um, but keeping the strength of people focus and, you know, people supporting what they help create and involving people in the process and in, you know, some of those decisions and most importantly in the strategy and the execution uh, remains really, really important. You have a lot of memories, I'm sure, from your years at CMEX and in the AI industry as a whole, um, but just in your role as CEO, what do you think you're going to miss most about that role? Hmm. Well, you know, the last, um, you know, weeks and months have given me a lot of time to reflect. And and I think, you know, for me, Clarissa, that answer is pretty easy. Um, the thing that I'll miss the most are the people, um, you know, globally, you know, you, you have an opportunity to meet people, to be friends with people, to create lifelong friendships, relationships. And for me, that's in so many countries around the world. And, um, you know, you you work with people every day, you know, and they they become family. Um, and, uh, you know, they motivate me. That's that's a huge part of my motivation is the people. And so that without question is the part that I'll miss the most. And I think the really great part about that is it's not something that ever goes away. So you've made those connections and those people and you can always visit. You can always say hi. You're always welcome back. And I think that is maybe the best part about it. You'll miss it, but you never really have to fully leave. No, that's for sure. <clears throat> so I'm going to switch a little bit out of that. Um, talk a little bit more about your job and maybe get a little bit of insight into what it's like to be the CEO. Um, and I'm interested to know what the hardest part of your job was over the years. <laughs> Maybe that depends on the day. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I think, you know, in general, um, you know, the hardest part has been, and I wouldn't say the hardest part, but but transitionary is managing a company today that's five times the size of when I started, um, you know, and changing and, and adapting to that growth of the company. And and the skill set that we need in the company and the processes and strategies that we need in the company, um, you know, that that you do have to change along with that, um, you know, or risk the fallout of, of that. But, you know, I think and I think along with that and it goes together is, you know, the decision to close a facility, 
or you know and that kind of thing because it 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 affects so many people and their families and those are necessary business decisions because you know margin is one of our greatest challenges today i think in our industry um you know but you don't take those decisions lightly and and you know they weigh on you and um you know while they're necessary and it goes back to my answer earlier of you know you're hardened a little bit in terms of the business decisions but not hardened from the people side of things so taking those two things together um, makes those kinds of decisions um you know very difficult at times it's certainly a lot of difficult decisions and a lot of accomplishments to go along with it looking back what are you most proud of oh gosh i think you know i think um probably you know a couple of things brenda it it um you know, I think it's in general and, and at the top is the impact of CMEX. Um, you know, when I think about the role that CMEX has played and our genetics has played, you know, in food production around the world, um, you start to realize how far reaching the effects of your company and, and of our people and of our team is. And, and I think that's something we all should be very, very proud of is the role that we play in you know, food and safe food production um, around the world. Um, you know, and specifically, you know, if there's one thing, I think being part of um, the decision um, to form the CMEX Alliance, um, you know, where we brought all the genetic programs from, you know, the, the genetic companies in Canada together into one program um, back in 1997. You know, if we wouldn't have done that, I. I don't think I'd like the picture of what we would be like today as as individual companies. And and I think that decision and the success of CMEX uh, from that decision um, really has provided stability for our ownership, stability for the industry, um, and also given tremendous economic returns back to our partner owners and therefore into you know, the dairy and beef industry uh, here and 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 the producers, um, and so it's really allowed us, I think, um, and the impact of CMEX, it's allowed us as a country to punch above our weight. You know, we're we're a million milking cows. I mean, barely a million milking cows, and and I think you know, I look at that and think, you know, we've punched above our weight in terms of size, in terms of size as an industry, and I I, I look back to that decision. Um, and the formation of the CMEX Alliance and bringing that efficiency and that cohesion um, and emphasis and, and into bringing it into one company and yet allowing the independence of our member co-ops to remain service oriented to their membership, um, you know, is really something that I think as I look back, it's, it's probably the largest source of pride because it it's provided a great career for so many of us um, and had a significant effect for Canadian industry, but you know, the industry and as around the world, and as I said about food production. And I think along with that, um, you know, I'm I'm extremely proud of of the people. You know, watching people develop into leadership roles that you know, they come into the company and junior or entry level positions and, you know, they've developed um, into leadership positions 
if I look at that a little bit selfishly, that means my impact doesn't stop on December 31st. Absolutely, it does not, for sure. And when you think of back, like, do you think that that was a big risk, those partners coming together? I mean, would you consider that, or was it just like a logical, solid, this is the way forward decision? Well, it was a logical decision. It was a logical step, but it was significant change. So mm -hmm. with significant change also comes risk. And, um, you know, at the time, I mean, you know, um, we got it done with great leadership by people like Robert Chacoin and Gordon Souter um, and various presidents of our boards of directors at that point in time. So um, thanks to their leadership, you know, it created a, I think a very, very positive environment. But with that change, you, obviously you don't get unanimity in terms of the, the support on day one. So, so absolutely there was risk. And I think, but, but it, it also provided so many more opportunities. You know, we, we then took the decision, you know, later on in, in, you know, 2009 in a strategic plan by our board of directors that we started to globalize the company, you know, to move away from being a Canadian based company that exported internationally to growing our global footprint and making investments in key countries around the world and um, you know to today having 13 subsidiaries um, around the world and today globalizing Bovatech and and um, you know some of those things that are possible for us today uh, wouldn't have been possible if we wouldn't have made that change um, 26 years ago. For sure for sure and I like your phrase punching above our weight because it is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. So thinking about, you know, more looking towards the future now, we've always appreciated the vision that you've had for our, our company and our people. And there's a lot of challenges on the horizon. What do you think is the biggest challenge for CMEX in its future? I mean, is it AI? Like, and I'm talking artificial, not artif artificial intelligence, not insemination. You know, there's just so much out there right now. Where do you see a challenge? Yes, and for sure today when we talk about AI, we have to emphasize which AI we're talking <laughs> which about, one? don't we? Qualify it, yes. Yeah, I, I think a, I think one of the biggest challenges for for CMEX, but also for our industry, is in a kind of you know two things going together. One is is enhancing the value for our product, um, you know, and in in terms of providing more margin to our organizations. You know, as I said earlier, our cost model has changed in our industry related to product development, genetics, and that kind of thing. But we've, as an industry, we've not done a good job of enhancing the value of our product. If I compare, you know, what what has happened with semen prices on farm today versus 10 years ago versus 20 years ago, and I look at it compared to seed corn or, you know, or or the cropping business equipment you know those those prices the price of a bag of seed corn has escalated significantly mm -hmm. whereas we're 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 on the farm today with almost the same prices we had 15 20 years ago and so you know i think that's both an opportunity but it's a challenge in that if we don't start to bring more value for what we deliver um you know and, and genetics is not a significant part of 
the budgeted expenses on 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 dairies or or beef operations today but yet the return for the extra milk production or components or for health traits or whatever that might be is significant and so you know it's sort of a challenge i think for our industry in terms of are we getting value for our product and um you know, especially as our costs increase, we all know what's happened to labor prices over the last couple of years. Um, our inputs have all gone up uh, in terms of our, you know, whether it's a semen straw or whatever that might be. And um, and we've got to do a better job as an industry to ensure that we're bringing value and receiving value um, with and for our clients. Absolutely, absolutely. So thinking about those things and, you know, that we're going to benefit from your wisdom for many, many months and years into the future, you've had the benefit of working with Matt McCready, who will be our new CEO at the start of the year. Um, I think it's safe to say you've worked with him very closely. You hired him, probably consider him a good friend. Tell us a little bit about him and what CMEX and uh, the industry can expect from him. Well, first of all, um, Brenna, I'm thrilled, um, you know, that, uh, you know, that Matt is my successor. It, I think any CEO or, or any manager for that matter, when you can hire someone internally um, and have them develop through the organization and, and then take your place, it's something that, um, you know, I think we take or we should take um, to heart in terms of that's part of our job you know, is to develop who's next. And um, so I'm thrilled that we were able to, the board of directors um, has appointed Matt um, as the next CEO. And Matt is um, has a great business background, but at the same time grew up on a, grew up on a farm, grew up on a dairy farm. Um, you know, so he has an ag background, um, you know, his roots firmly planted in the agricultural industry, uh, but a tremendous mix of, you know, business orientation and business skill, uh, along with a get it done attitude. And, um, you know, and at the same time, um, you know, a good people person that, you know, the people that he works with, um, you know, <laughs> they're positive, they're positive relationships and environments and, and uh, support for growth. All of those things together, um, you know, I leave with a tremendous amount of confidence um, that the best is yet to come under Matt's leadership. Yes, for sure. For sure. We're all excited to have him as well. So they say that you are shaped and molded by the people that are closest to you, your five closest people. And because we can't all be your BFF, Paul, and have <laughs> you mentor us, if you if you could think about three books or, you know, things that a person should do to be a leader, whether you're in CMEX or you're working in agriculture or just, just doing anything, what would you recommend? Uh, well, you know, you talk about books and and probably one of the books that, um, you know, I remember a time I had my, my entire board of directors read the book, Good to Great. Um, and I think it is a book that everybody that's interested in business leadership should read. Uh, because it really talks about focus, you know, talks about your hedgehog and, and ensuring that all of your strategies and all of your 
uh, processes and all of your emphasis and your people are focused on that one thing in terms of who you are as an organization. And that when organizations get outside of that core, they falter. And, and you know, so that's one that I've read multiple times, um, you know, sort of as a refresher. And I think one more recently is a book called No Rules Rules, and it's about Netflix and, you know, basically the culture of reinvention. And um, so it's kind of a little bit opposite to to the other book, which is which is good. Um, but it really talks about leading with context, not leading with control and something that that is very relevant to me. Um, in terms of people development and allowing people to succeed. Um, and, um, you know, so I think those are two that are a highlight for me. And probably if there was a third book, I'd say read one that you're really interested in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's for you. And that's for a little bit more uplifting maybe than a business book. But, you know, I think, Brenda, you, you ask about you know, what's one or two things and that kind of thing. And I've always kind of believed that people support what they help create. And, and I think when you make people part of the process and you involve them in the process, brainstorming, you know, putting ideas on the table and then being part of forming, if you will, um, you know, and forming that strategy, that, that it's not a top-down approach um, and, and as I mentioned earlier, bringing them along with you, all of a sudden you've got an army of people that are out executing as opposed to everybody looking at you as, as you know, the, the, the CEO or the manager to, okay, what are we going to do now? Um, and that empowerment um, is extremely powerful for an organization. Yes, it is, for sure. And so we know you're not going anywhere. You're going to be working with us for quite a while. But what does your next 90 days look like? What happens, you know, for you? Well, um, yeah, it starts uh, with uh, with some time over the holidays with family and friends. Um, and um, very fortunate then in uh, mid-January to be heading to Australia uh, for International Dairy Week. A uh, couple of speaking engagements there, um, some time on the road with our team in Australia, and uh, blended in with some vacation time as well, um, you know, to learn how to sort of step back, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a great combination um, in terms of working on some projects uh, in complete support of Matt and CMEX and the board of directors and our team here. Um, along with, you know, kind of stepping back, slowing down and um, um, not worrying about the Friday night emails, if you will, and, um, and, and spending more time with family and friends. And, and that'll start through the holidays. And, um, you know, it'll be sort of evolution, not revolution, I suppose, over the next few months. Yes, for sure. Very well-deserved and earned. And I'm sure, Marg, and your family, the girls will be very excited to get more Paul. <laughs> well, get you know, it, it'll be nice, perhaps on a family vacation to not be on two or three conference calls. And, uh, you know, so that's, uh, <laughs> I'm, sure they're I'm sure they're looking forward to that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, I just want to say thank you. 
and it has been, you know, an honor to work under your leadership and your guidance. And I appreciate everything you've done uh, for me personally and wish you all the success and best health and happiness. Thank you very much, Brenda. It's been my honor. All right. Take care. Thanks, everybody. If you like this podcast, give us a four-star review. It really helps others find the show and learn more about CMEX, our people, our programs, and our services. See you in the next episode.